Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the sermon portion of our service this morning here online with First Covenant Church Seattle. And before we dive into our texts, before we celebrate All Saints Sunday in this way through our texts, please join me in prayer. Let us pray. God, as we remember those who have gone before, those saints, dear people in our life who have died, we come with many feelings, with grief, with joy, with anger, with fear. And we ask God that you show up for us in all of those places this morning. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, any things that all of us think about, if they're not pleasing to you, God, let us simply forget them. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who holds us and all the saints in his comforting arms. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever had a meal that you simply couldn't get enough of? A meal that you didn't want to end and that you savored every last bite? Maybe something that you had for the first time and then thought about it for weeks and weeks afterwards and every time that you got hungry? Something that you raved about to your, to your friends until they told you to stop talking about it. I feel this about many different foods, about garlic mashed potatoes with butter, mangoes and sticky rice, creme brulee, shrimp tempura sushi rolls, crab cream cheese wontons, bacon stuffed mushrooms, to name just a few. All of these things, talking about them makes my mouth water. And to me, a good meal is a picture of abundance, joy, and delight. When you're eating something delicious, it brings a smile to your face. When you're eating a delicious fried chicken sandwich with some Rachel's ginger beer, it's harder to be anxious or sad, at least for me. For a moment, a good meal can bring some joy. Maybe it's all the pictures in scripture, all the metaphors in scripture of eating together, but to me, a good meal, a good meal is a picture of life that is healthy and hopeful, abundant, full of joy and fellowship. Where things are right, where we are fed and satisfied, where we are happy. It is the hope that we share together at the communion table that one day we will be eating an abundant and delicious meal with our God who loves us, his children. But sometimes, sometimes it feels like our fare isn't so delightful, not here and now. Sometimes it feels like all we are eating is SpaghettiOs and not fully cooked broccoli day in and day out, gross. It might feel like we haven't had a good meal that refreshes our spirits, brings us hope and joy in a long time. <sighs> My friends, this has been a year, has it not? And that isn't to say that we haven't seen hardship before as a church and as a country. Of course, we've had many difficult years before. We've held grief, we've held sorrow, suffering and pain. We know that our country has been in difficult places before now, that, that much of what we are feeling is but a symptom of deeper things happening in the United States and world. We know that others have continued to suffer from systems that devalue their glory in other years too, for the entirety of our country's existence even. 
And yet, I also know our hearts right now are being bombarded. Our stomachs are in knots, maybe more often than not. We are worried about the cold months in this pandemic. We are worried about what will happen this week with the election and the response of the public. We're worried about that. We are afraid and we are exhausted. Our spirits are hungry. We need something to refresh us. We're in need of a good meal. And it feels hard to be celebrating All Saints Day too, today. We have lost so much this year and so many people, so many in our church and so many due to the pandemic. Others we know and love are suffering and we may worry that we may lose them too. All Saints Day is to celebrate those who have gone before, but what happens when we just want to grieve instead? What happens when instead of remembering our friends with joy, all we have are tears? What do we do when we as individuals, as a church and as a society have no celebration in us because of all that we have lost and it has been a lot? What if we can't spend time remembering today because of the memories, because they're too painful and too fresh? What if we are too angry to remember today? What if we are too exhausted and too afraid? What if we see no way forward as we are so overwhelmed in grief and fear? Maybe as we feel starved for goodness, for hope, hungry for something to nourish us, we start to lose hope. But our Psalm this morning, Psalm 34 says, to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I was reminded this week of a beloved book that has a line in it that I can never forget. It's a book that I read in junior high that I still have on my bookshelf at home to this day. And it's called Peace Like a River by Leif Anger. Might be Leif, Leif Anger. Have you read it? It is the story of a Midwestern family with a kid named Reuben who is the narrator. Now, Reuben's older brother, Davy, got into some trouble at the beginning of the book and is controversially charged with murder, and he runs away. Though his family believes, they, they believe and they know in their hearts that he has been wrongly accused. And so, Reuben and his younger sister, Scout, and their dad, they all set off in their Plymouth car across the country to search for Davy as he runs from the law. This story, it's full of wonder, told through the eyes of Reuben, the 11-year-old. But despite the beautiful writing, despite the storytelling and character development, which is truly gold, this family goes through a lot and often has more discouraging moments than ones of hope as they search for Davy and experience such family tragedy. But that line that I can't forget. The family has been traveling for a long time. The dad of the story has a strong and resolute faith, and he also has a pair of dear friends named August and Bertie, and they're all traveling towards them to stay with them and to regroup as they're searching for Davy. But the family, they're tired, and Reuben reflects that he was afraid about not knowing what came next, what came after they stayed with August and Bertie. He wanted to know the way forward. He wanted to find his brother more than anything. He wanted to get the charges dropped from his brother's record. He wanted his family home safe and sound. And so Reuben says, 
I had asked all of this of Dad the previous night, asked it straight out. Where do we go from August's? He didn't know. We'd simply go forth, he said, like the children of Israel when they packed up and cameled out of Egypt. He meant to encourage me. Just like us, the Israelites hadn't any idea where they'd end up. Just like us, they were traveling by faith. Indeed, it did impart a thrill, yet the trip thus far in the frigid and torpid Plymouth had reminded me what a hard time the chosen people actually had of it. Once traveling, it's remarkable how quickly faith erodes. It starts to look like something else. Ignorance, for example. Same thing happened to the Israelites. Sure, it's called weak, but sometimes, sometimes you'd rather just have a map. And I think we can resonate with that. As we're journeying, journeying through this story we call life, sometimes we'd like a map. But then here is the line that I love. Reuben and family drive up to their friend August and Bertie's house, and August and Bertie take them in and they feed them. And this is how Reuben says it. Of course, fear and doubt must flee when such gentle hosts as August and Bertie take charge of you. And in fact, a supper of creamed chicken and beans and sliced nut bread can go a long way to the devil's discredit. And that's the way of it, isn't it? Of course, of course, food literally makes things better sometimes. <laughs> this reminds us that our physical bodies matter too, that eating is important in the middle of wild times. We have to care for our bodies. People who know me well know that without enough calories, I get hangry. And that's hungry and angry at the same time, in case you were wondering. <laughs> A literal meal can certainly help us out in difficult times. Sometimes we are physically hungry. Sometimes a good meal can right our spirits in ways that we couldn't, wouldn't have imagined. A good meal, a delicious meal, a decadent meal, something hot, or perhaps just a bit of warm bread with butter. These physical things do go a long way towards finding us some hope. And our spirits need to be fed good things too. Our spirits might need some metaphorical meals, perhaps. I know you also know what it is like to experience something like a good meal for your spirit. A friend sending a note at just the right moment. A puppy's eyes. Perhaps even simply a beautiful string of lights on your house. Something that sets you on the path towards hope. Something that holds you and nourishes you on the journey. Something that feeds you. We need these moments. We need our good meals of all kinds to be able to stay afloat with all that is happening now. So taste and see that the Lord is good. Perhaps one of these ways that we receive a metaphorical meal, like Reuben and his family received from August and Bertie, something that fed him, that righted his spirit, that went a long way to the devil's discredit. I per perhaps one of these ways that we receive this is through our texts today. They aren't just words, I think. They're promises, they're reminders. They're cairns in a way, those piles of rocks that show us the way on a trail, rocks that direct us, that say that someone else has gone before us and built something so that we can know the way to go. 
the Beatitudes in Matthew, those blessed are yous, blessed are the poor in spirit, for those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These aren't a checklist for us, a list of things we need to remember so that we can be blessed, not something to do. No, these are simply things we may be at times in our lives, many of them difficult things in our lives that God hears and God sees. In the Beatitudes, in Matthew 5, God is saying that God sees these things that happen to us and around us, perhaps death of dear ones to us, pandemics, elections, sickness, fears, and God regards us with love in those places. God calls us blessed when we mourn, when we cannot be anything but quiet and meek, and when we are persecuted. This isn't a checklist, just God acknowledging the places we find ourselves and then blessing us in them. This text. Maybe it could be a bite of something delicious for our souls, an appetizer, a piece of freshly baked bread still hot from the oven covered in garlic butter. And then in Psalm 34, the psalmist tells us the story of someone who has been delivered by God. And although in this moment things seem grim for us, perhaps we too might be delivered from our fears, heard and answered as the psalmist speaks of. Maybe our faces too will be radiant and maybe we too won't be covered in shame. There is some hope here in this text. God, well, God came through for the psalmist. Maybe God could come through for us too. Maybe this could feel like a first course for us. Some leafy greens or a pasta drizzled in cream sauce complete with little pieces of bacon. Maybe our soul needs some bacon right now. A bit of a meal in a way for our spirit this text could be. And we keep going. In 1 John 3, our text today spoke of us being God's children. Now, I don't know about you, but this week has me wishing that I were a kid again. And not only for Halloween fun, but also because I miss hugging my parents. And with all that is happening in the world, as I have some anxiety about elections and things, I want to be wrapped in the arms of someone who I know can listen to me and help me feel better. I want to be a kid again and trust that my parents can make things right. Sometimes a reminder that we aren't in charge can bring us some rest. We don't have to figure it all out and fix everything. We can't. We can relax in the arms of someone who knows and who can instead. Someone who has us, who can take care of us, who loves us, who will make things right, who will make us right. Perhaps this reminder in 1 John that we are beloved children held in God's arms, our father, our mother, our parent. Maybe this is something that we can hold on to and find hope in. It could be, perhaps, a dish of salmon for our souls, grilled outside on the barbecue with lemons and dill, butter and onions. Maybe it could fill our spirits like a main course set before us with a flourish. And then... Revelations 7. I can rarely get through this text without crying, especially on a day like today. It says, After this I looked, 
And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then later on in the text, They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this, I think, this is our dessert. Gooey chocolate cake for our souls, baked chocolate chip cookies and creme brulee for our hearts. Something that holds us steady and gives us hope. We grieve so many this year, many in our congregation, in our families, our friends, many nationally, internationally throughout this pandemic too. We fear the death of others or even our own deaths. And we may continue to fear and might need to continue to grieve. That is important. And also, maybe too we can remember this. We can imagine this. Maybe we can imagine those who have gone before us now, before the throne and before the Lamb. We can imagine them dressed in white robes. And this time of year, I like to think of those robes as furry velvet or comfy, soft Please. Maybe, maybe we can imagine them holding branches in their hands and shouting and singing in the presence of the divine, in worship of the divine. And maybe we can imagine them now and us someday too in God's presence. Maybe we can imagine what it feels like for them now and what it will feel like for us then. Too, to know that the one who sits on the throne will shelter us and that we will never again hunger or thirst, that God will gently wipe tears from our eyes and that our longings will be satisfied and all will be well. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I pray this week And this week I'll be lighting some candles for each household in this church and praying. I pray this week that each of us will experience something that feeds our souls. Whether physical or metaphorical, that we can taste. I hope, I pray that we can taste something and see God's goodness, God's presence, God's promise to us. I pray that we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wraps the saints that have gone before us in his embrace and that we too are loved as God's beloved children. May it be so. Amen.